0: valuation issue then i think the continuation of the uh, the app performance
1: okay peter well thank you very much good to talk to you that's uh, peter kim managing director and investment strategist at kb securities you're listening to money talk on rthk radio 3 let me give you a final update on the markets for this morning. The ASX 200 in Australia is down about three quarters of a percent over in South Korea, where we've just been there. The Cosby uh, is more or less flat. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 is off about a third of a percent. Looks like the Hang Seng is going to open about 40 or 45 points or so lower later on this morning. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil is trading right now at $50.39 a barrel. Gold is at $1,827 an ounce. In the The currency markets, the U.S. dollar is at 104 against the Japanese yen. Uh, Sterling is rallying. It's about $1.33 and a third cents against the U.S. dollar at the moment. Let me give you an update on the weather forecast for today. It's going to be cloudy, rather cool in the morning, dry with bright periods in the afternoon. The maximum temperature is going to be about 16 degrees. And the outlook is for it to remain rather cool more in the mornings in the next couple of days. Sunny periods during the weekend and early next week. It is 14 degrees right now, 75% relative humidity. So stay tuned for Back Chats with Hugh Chiverton and Ada Wong in just one moment. 8.31 and a half, here's Samantha Butler with the Half Hour News.
2: Joe Biden has been formally certified as the next president of the United States with results from electoral colleges in all but one U.S. state, giving him 302 votes, more than the 270 threshold required. The electors in each state are appointed to reflect the popular vote which was won by Mr. Biden in November. Here's the BBC's Nomiya Iqbal. Members of the electoral college don't get much attention when they cast their votes every four years in U.S. elections. But because of President Trump's persistent efforts to question and overturn the results involving legal challenges which have been rejected by courts across the country, the state-by-state vote has been in the spotlight. The Democrat state of California was one of the last to vote, and its 55 electors took Mr Biden across the 270-vote threshold required to win the presidency. Despite this official process, Mr Trump is not expected to accept the result. Minutes after the Electoral College vote was decided, Donald Trump announced on Twitter the departure of the US Attorney General William Barr. He said he would be gone by Christmas. Here's the BBC's David Willis.
3: Donald Trump tweeting, and I quote here, just had a very nice meeting with the Attorney General Bill Barr at the White House. Our relationship has been a very good one. It has not been a good relationship at all, particularly after uh, Bill Barr said that the uh, Justice Department concluded there was no evidence of fraud in the uh, last presidential election. And he's also, of course, held back the fact that a Justice Department investigation has been ongoing into Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, something that infuriated President Trump.
2: The Netherlands has announced a five-week lockdown over Christmas. Protesters whistled outside the Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutter's office when he announced that from Tuesday, non-essential shops, schools and gyms would close until January the 19th.
4: The coronavirus
1: is spreading even faster than we were expecting last week. And that is why the Netherlands is going into lockdown for a period of at
2: least five weeks. The Netherlands is closing down. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
4: Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh and your co-host. Today's Ada Wong. Ada, good morning to you.
3: Good morning, Hugh.
4: The latest on COVID-19 today, vaccines and designated quarantine hotels. Three more COVID-related deaths were announced yesterday, the highest daily figure since the deaths of four coronavirus patients were reported in early September. This brings the death total to 120. Authorities have ordered a partial evacuation of a Wong public housing block after experts determined that COVID may have been spread there via the washroom of an infected flat. The administration says online rumours that its decision to procure vaccines was politically motivated were completely unfounded, saying Rubemongers were acting with evil intentions. Well, we've been fighting the virus for almost a year now. What are we learning? What do you make of the choice of vaccine? Give us a call. You can uh, leave a message on our Facebook page. You can email us, backchat, at rthk dot, uh, uh, backchat on RTHK Radio 3 Sorry, the email address is backchat at rthk.hk. Or you can call us, of course, on our telephone number. It's three. 23- two double three double eight two double six And yes, after 9.15, we're going to be talking about the issue of the government's designated hotel programme with uh, one of the hotels that uh, didn't make the list. Uh, once again, our email address, backchat at rthk.hk. We've got, we've got a, quite a lot of uh, uh, emails on different aspects of uh, COVID. Uh, let's go over some of them now before we get to our, our, our first guests um, this morning. Uh, first of all, this is from uh, Peter. Uh, who said uh who sent this Uh, He said, I apologize for this missing out for the Friday show. So that was last Friday. Peter says, what I find appalling is the dancing singing cluster now accounts for 700 plus cases in the fourth wave. This group started the fourth wave and the impact it's created on Hong Kong. These incredibly selfish individuals were the same group, which included patient zero, visited a quarantine case and did not report this information. This group is part of the Hong Kong elite and they have chosen to hide themselves away while the rest of Hong Kong subside. Surfers. They avoided quarantine like Henry Tang's wife, hide on boats and generally are intentionally unhelpful in sharing contact tracing details. They are solely to blame for the fourth wave and they need to be called out so normal Hong Kong people can see and admonish them for the damage they've done to Hong Kong, the small businesses and the overall economic impact on everyone. They are the typical elitists who are allowed to operate with their own set of rules and are a protected species in Hong Kong. This is why the entire system is broken." Uh, the non-government make no mention of this, nor the impact of their actions. Always the small guy gets screwed. Will the elitist get away with murder? And there's a quote uh, from a story from Apple Daily. Uh, Hong Kong's rich and famous who have caught COVID-19 have behaved in a selfish manner, severely handicapping the fight to contain the pandemic with their reluctance to cooperate with contact tracing procedures, leading microbiologist Yun Kwok Yoon said in a withering attack on the city's social elite. And uh, Peter goes on to name uh, those uh, 12 people, saying the source of this data is from Twitter. Uh, socialites of Hong Kong who have tested positive for for COVID-19 I'm not going to read that because I can't uh, verify um, those names but thanks for the uh, email Peter Uh, John says, uh, please ask a critical question, the Kowloon Bay and Wong Tai Sin buildings, does the existing drainage stack have a vent pipe? How many buildings have that arrangement? I went to look at Kowloon Bay block 6 drainage from the ground, I was stunned and shocked it appears there is no vent pipe Boring technical stuff. Why is this important? A vent pipe stops creating suction in the main drainage stack so prevents breaking the water seal in the U-trap. Without it, suction pressure in the main drainage pipe will drag or suck the water out of the U-traps continuously. That also means that filling up the U-trap once a week, as the government recommends, will not help. Obviously, the implications are wide-reaching. Perhaps to prevent widespread panic among the residents living in the 20 box in Richland Gardens and the wider community, the government has been silent on the details. Uh, John, thank you very much indeed for that. And uh, Magnus uh, uh, spinning off the discussion yesterday about the uh, monorail says, uh, enjoying the healthy irreverence being shown here to government nonsense and inefficiency as evidenced by Kai Tak. For example, 22 years after the runway closed down, the prime side at its end is still not being used. another example of woeful administration here in Hong Kong. It would be laughable if it was not so sad. Please maintain this level of irreverence when analysing and reporting the Hong Kong government's response to COVID. Many parallels, for example, always late, incredibly poorly thought out, and with minimal levels of transparency. It's hard to believe, but it's evident that our government still has not got into its head around the concept of a two-week lag in COVID data between action and outcomes, as reported in new daily cases. In failing to understand that basic element, then all policy responses are a minimum of two weeks out of date, and as a result, are utterly inappropriate at the time of implementation. This is worse than useless, as these inappropriate measures, of course, come at a huge cost, Thank <laughs> you. I understand that two weeks is a blink of an eye in Hong Kong government pace terms, but two weeks are hugely important in this case, a multiplicative uh, process. That comes um, from Magnus. And finally, Will says, how's the government said publicly whether it's monitoring our wastewater for COVID-19? It seems that several countries are doing this because it gives them the ability to see the next wave before people feel sick enough to get a test, even if they feel sick at all. The government should start doing this if it doesn't do it already. This would allow the government to put in additional social distancing measures in place earlier during a wave, which should help its size. This, of course, assumes that people follow the measures and uh, uh, Will attaches a story from uh, Stanford uh, uh, that uh, wastewater can reveal uh, COVID-19 and also an ABC story about uh, an Australian study uh, on the same topic. Uh, Thank you very much indeed for your emails, Chat at HK. Joining us now, we have Dr. Arasina Ma, president of the Hong Kong Doctors Association, and Dr. Alvin Chan, a council member of the Hong Kong Medical Association. Uh, Dr. Ma, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. So we have those deaths. We also have the uh, partial evacuation of the, the housing block now in uh, Wong Tai Sin. Uh, how do you think we are doing uh, when it comes to coping with the fourth wave? How um, to
5: say maybe the fourth wave really comes quickly and there is also more and more cases coming out. Um, since that... Um, Um, The government, when they react to the custody cases, especially those custody happened in the building, is a bit slow. And they always seems to be relied on the single person to look uh, and stick into the the, the incident, Uh, Professor Yun Kok-yong. Actually, um, um, according to my frontline colleagues or um, uh, uh, our friends in the uh, private practice, there are more and more uh, customers, uh, are, uh in uh, in different society, in different parts of Hong Kong, but since that um they have not taken out all, so maybe the recreation need to be um uh, do quicker. Or if there are so many buildings need to be evacuated, so and are there any um, other methods uh, they can, the, uh, the, the they can do uh, quickly in order to prevent the spread of the disease um, among the same building? Can the construction department uh, give some fast uh, quick advice uh, so help stop the spreading? And uh, we, we, maybe one day we don't have any uh, more space for the rec- evacuation.
3: Yeah, that, that's what I, I, I was thinking. Uh, I think uh, we don't have enough rooms in quarantine camps anymore if this goes on. Uh, is it better to stay in their place uh, to to have actually a building, um, you know, as a whole, as a quarantine? Um, so uh, preventing yes. people to come out?
5: Um Yes, if there is no more um, quarantine space, um, but uh, if you want the, um, the, the the resident of that building stay there, um, you must do uh, several things. First of all, you need to reassure them, reassure them it is a, a, a safe environment. As I said, uh, maybe the construction department need to do some quick remedies to correct the problems of the, uh, the the structure of the building. And also, um, the government need to send someone to send uh, resources, food, water, anything to the to the resident in the buildings. And also, they uh, need to send the medical uh, healthcare workers there, uh, help them to check their physical conditions and and do the text for them, or uh, maybe once every once for a while. And. Um, I understand why the government wants them to um, all evacuate, let's say, a camp, because it is more easy for them to, uh, to, to take care of them and also give the government time to clean the place. However, if we really run out of campsites, so we must think uh, another plan to, to, to do the quarantine.
3: I remember about 10 years ago, we, we had a, a PIX flu, I can't remember... Which flu was it? And there was a hotel in Wan Chai, patient zero was there. And the whole hotel was um, quarantined for about two weeks. So, so this could be done. Anything like quarantine camps, food can be delivered uh, to the residents, obviously. And so this, this might come uh, you know, as an alternative. But uh, Dr. Ma, what, what, is it, what is it like in the hospitals? Uh, we see younger patients passing away um, and more are in critical condition. Has something changed?
5: Uh, actually, the, um, the, the hospitals are really busy. Uh, as you said, we got more and more critical COVID cases. Um, First of all, it is under expectation um, because um, we are now in the two, second and third week of the COVID uh, outbreak, so some of the patients uh, do get uh, deteriorated uh, in the second and third week. Of course, it's a bit alarming that uh, we got some new, um, some young and severe cases, ill cases. But having said that the um the, 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 the proportion is not high and and mostly those uh, ill cases are still the, um, the elderly or those with uh, um, long term illness uh, comorbidities but um similar to the pictures in the western country uh, we still occasionally seen, uh, see some young uh, severe cases so that 's the reason we need to remind um all members in the society, um, you 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 don't, just don't think that you are young. You you need to, you can ignore your uh, your your infection control, ignore your physical status. If you um, contact with someone with confirmed the case, uh, confirmed the illness, or you feel unwell, please go to see the doctor and do the test.
4: Hmm. Uh, Alvin Chan is with us, council member of the Hong Kong Medical Association. Dr. Chan, good morning to you. Yes. Thanks very much Good indeed for, for, for joining us. Uh, w- what about the, um, let's talk about maybe about the hotels. Uh, so we have this uh, arrangement now. We have the designated quarantine hotels. If we didn't have them in the past. They've tightened up on the transportation uh, and things like that. Do um, you welcome all those measures?
0: Yes. <clears throat> These are the related procedures that we, uh, I mean, the uh, as the co-chairman of the, Advisory Committee on Communicable Diseases of uh, the Hong Kong Medical Association, we had already uh, advised the government to have such measures uh, many weeks or even months ago. Uh, although uh, it's late, it's, uh, well, of course, late is better than never. But still, it is rather too late uh, to be implemented only next week or the 21st of December, when I know that uh, many of the foreign students, uh, I mean the students of Hong Kong citizens studying abroad, had already returned to Hong Kong. And that means there's a time lapse uh, between the implementation and the actual return Mm -hmm. of the uh, students coming back from overseas. So I I think uh, it is uh, quite uh, a... Well, I, I think it's appalling that why why the government had to take so long to get the hotel rooms because uh, this had been already the problem uh, in the second wave. You know, in the second wave, this is uh, the Easter season when the students overseas are still so returning to Hong Kong. I mean, uh, we are uh, we are alert about this need even at that time. So, um, if we need the hotels' cooperation. Um, in fact, in fact, we we can use the uh, 599 chapter uh, to to implement it much earlier. But anyway, uh, I think the number of hotel rooms up to uh, 10,000 uh, might be uh, adequate for this number of uh, returnees uh, from overseas. And however, how to implement it uh, is again uh, the crucial uh, matter. And uh, I, I hope that um the orders and the um the instructions from the government to the hotels and from the management of the hotels to the staff are clear and so there won't be loopholes there. And uh I, I think um it is more um I, I agree from the discussion just now, it is uh, more important now the arrangement for the um, isolation of those uh, people evacuated from the uh, estates that had the clusters of uh, infected confirmed cases and uh, we, we need to expand those uh, rooms of those camps um, required for isolation for quarantining otherwise uh, uh, we, we really need to have the lockdown measures Like those in Wuhan that um, I think uh, is very inconvenient for the uh, uh, residents who are quarantined in the whole building when it's implemented. Uh, But but then I think um, uh, the government has this last resort to really (coughs) have the whole building being locked down uh, if there are more clusters uh, confirmed in those different areas. In, in in different various districts in Hong Kong. <clears throat> um.
3: Yeah, yes. Yes. Uh, Dr. Chan. Uh, uh. From from the hotel to uh, you know from the airport to the hotel. I think um, that is um that is that should be a very seamless um uh, you know procedure yes. whereby uh, every single person arriving in Hong Kong uh, should be taken in. Uh, Coaches or whatever transport means uh, to the designated hotels. Uh, I have people who have been quarantined in Japan and Australia, and they say that you know, the police were involved uh, in in making sure that um, these people do not leave. Uh, you know, any any designated buses. I guess it's not that difficult to do, but um, but it seems that uh, it's very difficult for the Hong Kong government to uh, coordinate. What what do you think is the is the problem there?
0: Well, I think it is the um, planning that is very important. And then the interdepartmental uh, cooperation, uh, collaboration, and that is uh, very important, which probably uh, has some difficulties in Hong Kong, I think. Um, Very often the experts just give the advice, just just like that, as you said, we should have the... uh, seamless uh, plan of the transportation from the airport to the designated hotel and then for the policing of uh, these procedures or these uh, methods, then uh, I think um, one thing is of course we, we respect and honor the, the, the um, people of Hong Kong. So, with a gentleman's agreement, and we, uh, the government might think that uh, people, of course, should respect their own um, responsibilities as a citizen, not to spread the disease to others. Uh, but in Hong Kong, this otherness is not um, really uh, a cultural virtue. In Hong Kong, many people uh, don't have the otherness in mind. Uh, people, uh, just as uh, I guess it's uh, Peter or the other uh, respondents in the um, um, internet had just uh, uh, responded.
4: About the, about the dance uh, the dance club?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. So, so for the dance group, uh, the people uh, don't have the utterness and that's why they, they spread uh, all over Hong Kong. But then uh, it is the same for those who return from Hong Kong uh, from overseas, uh, many of those students in the past, they always boasted that how, how they could uh, escape the uh, quarantine procedures, etc., and can walk out, etc. So uh, I think in Hong Kong, we need to have the policing um, um, of those who are quarantined that should really be staying in their room and not to uh, leave and also be transported via designated vehicles. Uh, I, I think uh, we need to guarantee this. And uh, how to guarantee it? Who should be the uh, disciplining forces to ensure it? Of course, the most natural one is the police. They should do it. Uh, but how come uh, uh, there could be question about this? I really. Uh, don't know because this should already be implemented uh, without any difficulty. I guess um, <clears throat> the, the the problem I think is still the uh, meticulous planning and then uh, the carrying out of the plan. Uh, these should there should not be loopholes in the implementation, and that comes into a question when there are problems in in. Inter-
4: Departmental, uh, cooperation do, do, do can, can I ask you about the, the question of the of the vaccines uh, they were announced yes. uh, lo- late last week the selection that that, that Hong Kong uh, will have uh, from uh, multiple sources two or, or even three uh, different sources. Uh, there has been some discussion over that. What do you make of the of the choice of vaccines
0: Well, I think um, to be fair, no vaccines. Had ever um, gone past the uh, second phase uh, clinical trials. Most, uh, all of them are still in the third phase. So, of course, we could not single out any one of them being um, inappropriately chosen because of this factor. So, uh, even Pfizer, BioNTech, and Oxford, all these uh, well known big names. They also had not yet passed the third phase trial yet. And so there are many unanswered uh, queries as well. But of course, in Hong Kong, we do have the standard set of uh, practices and rules how to register uh, vaccines to be used um, in a mass scale or in uh, isolated scale. Uh, but then um, I think uh, it is legitimate for the citizens to ask those questions. Uh, so I, I would think that uh, uh, the government should really um, be um, have been being citizen or um, uh, patient-centred uh, or citizen-centred in planning and also in executing. Uh, the uh, plans of um, mass vaccination because uh, after all, although they are free they use um, our money as well, and although they are free, uh, we could not have the right of choice so of course uh, then the people could have their legitimate questions to ask uh, those questions um, why the government choose this or that of course, I agree that of course we should not have a um, political stand in
5: uh, questioning
0: uh, whether this the incredibility or credibility, reliability or
4: unreliability of the choices. We should face on scientific data. OK. Uh, Dr. Ma, uh, can, I, can, I, can I put the same uh, issue to you? Uh, reports, for example, in the South China Morning Post saying an insider with knowledge of the selection process Uh, said that Sinovac Biotech was chosen at least in part because the city government needed to take into account the potential blowback from certain sections of the pro-establishment camp if it didn't even pick one mainland uh, producer. Uh, But the administration has said that rumour mongers are acting with evil intentions and that uh, uh, rumours that it's a decision to procure vaccines was politically motivated were completely unfounded. What are your thoughts on that? Dr. Ma? Um...
5: First of all, I don't think um, whether our citizens expressed their own opinion about the policy is a kind of fake news or rumour spreading. I think it's just a healthy discussion. That means that uh, our citizens are really concerned about the government policy and our own well-being. So um, I think um, I cannot say that, um, that, that our government implemented this policy with a, a bad, temp, uh, bad intention, but there are many uncertainties and um, there are many, um, how to say, uh, 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 um, 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 arrangements that are not um, familiar to our normal practice. So I think it is uh, really sensible for the, uh, our citizen to discuss the issue. And, Um, I agree with what Dr. Chen said, um, uh, all those vaccines are new, coronavirus vaccine is new. Uh, Some companies we are more familiar, some companies we we know nothing about them. So, yes, uh, it's difficult to make a decision about which vaccines the government should give uh, our whole society. That's why, like in the States, they have uh, um, uh, 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 a big uh, conference uh, with experts, with uh, standards to discuss it. Mm.
3: Well I think the baseline is uh, to be safe right um uh, to make sure that a vaccine does not have that much side effects and you know people don't really get sick or they have uh, they have issues uh, I mean, after after having the vaccine um how, how do we know enough uh to to discuss this safety of vaccines
5: um actually I I would like to say no one can say we know enough because all those vaccines are new Coronavirus vaccines actually is quite new. Uh, there is also new technologies like the mRNA technologies, and um, for the safety issues, of course, uh, the clinical trial, the phase one, phase two, phase three are important. But the more important is the real world data, uh, which, uh, hap- which is happening in the uh, U- uh, United States and the United Kingdom. A um, couple of months later, if there are uh, certain numbers of citizens are in- uh, get vaccinated in both countries, we can see more real world data and safety issues.
4: Okay, uh, one quick comment, uh, perhaps Dr Marf, you could address this. Paul says, what we've learned about COVID-19 is that it seems to act exactly like the flu, kill as many people as the flu, and comes in waves with the same frequency as the flu. Uh, Meanwhile, the CDC has recently reported that flu hospitalizations are too low to, at this time to generate an estimate. Am I stupid, or could it be that COVID-19 is the flu? Uh, um-
5: I think uh, uh, maybe in the early this year, there are still comparisons between COVID and the flu. But um, we now know more and more about that COVID is not a flu. And um, as COVID is spreading so uh, 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 in a, such a wide scale and none of us really have uh, immunity of it, so uh, it is much worse than flu. Uh, for flu, um, we have vaccine, we have some certain kind of immunity, and we we have medicine, and uh, more. Um, uh, how to say? Effective medicine. Well, COVID, no. Okay. Um, well, mortality, both may be the
4: same. Okay, we're we're out of time. Thank you very much indeed, Dr. Ma, once again, You're President welcome. of the Hong Kong Doctors Association, and Dr. Alvin Chan, Council Member of the Medical Association. Others joining us in a couple of minutes uh, after the news. The weather, cloudy, fourteen degrees now. Humidity, seventy-three percent. Reservoir.
2: The driver sustained serious head injuries and was rushed unconscious to hospital, where the, where he was later certified dead. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
4: Welcome back, back chat this uh, Tuesday morning with Ada Wong and me, Hugh Chuit, and we're talking again about aspects of uh, COVID 19. Uh, the uh, evacuation of the uh, public housing block in uh, Wong Tai Sin, the latest measures, uh, the uh, vaccine uh, situation, the uh, increasing number of uh, deaths. We're also going to be talking specifically later about the designated uh, hotels with uh, uh, one of the hotels that's uh, not on the list and not happy about it. Um, If you want to talk about any aspect of that, please uh, share your thoughts as ever by emailing backchat.rthk.hk. We'll do our best to read out your messages Uh, or you can call us and our telephone number is 23388266 or you can go comment on our Facebook page that's back chat on RTHK Radio 3. Uh just before we get back to that subject uh, some uh emails relating to uh yesterday's discussion. First of all, uh which was uh, about uh the uh, monorail and development on uh, the old tax site. Uh James says uh, morning whatever optimism vaccine your guest Jeff is on can we have it too. That's uh, that was Jeff Bent of the uh uh, uh, cruise terminal. Uh, Kai Tak is yet another example of city development by committee has reduced Hong Kong to an international joke. Uh, once again, how is it possible for Singapore to develop its Marina Arts and Entertaining District in far less time? Wasn't a certain Mrs. Carrie Lam a secretary for development? Perhaps I've answered my question. That comes from James. Uh, Magnus says on the Kaitak monorail. Surely every piece of planning must have its first to minimise the use of cars. I understand the point about disembarking cruise passengers having a lot of luggage. Surely, rather than handing over space to fit in parking for another six hundred car spaces. To facilitate park and cruise, it would be more efficient for the terminal operator or private contractors to provide a baggage handling service, i.e. passengers provide an address for their luggage to be delivered to later that day and make their way home luggage-free. That comes from uh, Magnus. And uh, on the Maoism question, this is from Martin. Martin says, Monday's comments made by Matthew and Alan asking Backchat to censor Herman's replies to questions and personal attacks on him just confirmed what Herman said. Uh, in his reply to those attacks, looks like we have now a Maoist Matthew and a Maoist Allen, both fundamentally intolerant to different views instead of carefully considering the merits of opposing arguments and facts, they resort to personal attacks, try to censor and discredit any commentator who holds a different view or contradicts their opinion and narrative. labeling locals pro cPC United Front, etc., is as funny as if Maoist Matthew and Maoist Allen would attack American for bringing pro- pro-USA. Bonus, I'll let them in on another open secret. Hong Kong is part of China, not the UK, US or Australia. That is from Martin. rthk.hk is our email address. We're joined now uh, by uh, Siddharth Sridhar, a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Microbiology at the University of Hong Kong. Professor Sridhar, good to talk to you again. Thank you very much indeed for, for, for joining us. Um, Okay, some uh, thoughts uh, on the question of COVID. Uh, Dan on Facebook says, I think it's Dan Van Hoy. I think it's time for a new theme. How about let's defeat the virus, conquer the virus, beat the virus, or even vanquish the virus? We don't want to be fighting COVID-19 for months and years ahead. Let's put it to a swift end together. That comes uh, from uh, Dan. Uh, And... um, uh, Paul, uh, who we read a message from uh, earlier talking about uh, comparing the flu and uh, COVID, also says, uh, when can we take these horrible masks off? They obviously have not stopped the spread. Otherwise, we would not be in wave four of Orwellian government measures. That comes from Paul. Uh, Professor Sridhar, uh, Paul is saying that the masks uh, have not stopped the spread. Um, So we don't need them. Do you want to react to that?
6: Right. I would say masks are one of the measures to reduce the spread of the virus in the community. There's no one perfect measure. Like Masks are not going to protect us 100%, that's for sure. But when you combine them with uh, other measures like hand hygiene and uh, social distancing and the rest of it, you create uh, kind of multiple layers of protection between yourself and the source of the virus, uh, so to speak. So masks are part of the solution, they're not the entire solution. And soon, hopefully, yeah, we'll have uh, vaccines as another very exciting means of uh, uh, protecting ourselves from the virus as well, and that should uh, help us uh, hopefully put the pandemic to an end.
4: Okay, here's Paul again. Uh, so uh, Paul uh, talked about, as I say, the comparison with flu and COVID in the first part of the program, and a doctor responded to him. Uh, Paul follows up by saying, "Back chat, please thank your guest for confirming that I'm stupid." But she also mentioned that COVID spreads faster than the flu, but kills the same amount of people, which means that COVID is less deadly than the flu. And if that's the case, why all this fuss? That comes from Paul. Uh, Professor Sridhar, do you want to respond to that?
6: Right. um, uh, COVID-19 spreads uh, the the infectiousness of COVID-19. You know, if there are no measures in place to contain uh, infected patients, is probably somewhat more infectious than uh, influenza and uh, in terms of the rates of uh, hospital admissions, ICU admissions and mortality is probably higher than influenza as well. It's almost definitely higher than influenza because we don't have population immunity at all. So all in all, it's a more serious problem than the average uh, yearly influenza outbreaks we see.
3: But then uh, our community has already done a lot. Uh, we uh, we wear masks, and um, you know social distancing, and uh, the economy has slowed down quite a lot. Uh, but yet, you know, we still have a, a death rate uh, well worldwide of around three percent. Is that right? So, um, so how how you know what have we learned from this, and how can we do better in 2021?
6: Right. I think the important lesson is that it's almost impossible to. Press COVID-19 in any community for a prolonged period of time. Like we can't keep COVID, we can't keep uh, cases at zero almost anywhere in the world. It keeps cropping up. So the important thing that we have learned is that uh, the way forward is a kind of break and release approach where you kind of uh, put reasonable social distancing and uh, increase community engagement with mask wearing whenever cases start going up. And then as the cases track down again, yeah, some release is required to provide financial relief to all the sectors involved. So this kind of break and release strategy is what we have, uh, I'd say, had a lot of practice at, I wouldn't say perfect, but at least had a lot of practice at, at over these last few months. So that's probably going to be the pattern we're going to see until uh, we see massive vaccine rollouts, which hopefully would be a very large game changer in terms of uh, uh, controlling the pandemic.
4: What, one thing that st- strikes me is is, is how coordinated uh, this wave is uh, around the world. We were just hearing in the news about, uh, you know, m- more severe measures being imposed in uh, Holland, for example, uh, London going into lockdown, the United States, there's, there's a peak there. Uh, and, and we have our own peak and, in, in, uh, you know, issue in, in Hong Kong. Why is it that they all seem to be happening at the same time all over the world?
6: It drives home the fact that if COVID-19 is out of control anywhere, it kind of very quickly becomes out of control everywhere because, uh, sure, there are a lot of border control and uh, reduction in air traffic, but uh, it's still happening. So you are always going to have uh, some degree of leakage of uh, border control measures. And uh, if, if you have a country where... Covid nineteen has been brought completely under control. Unfortunately, if the neighbouring country or territory has a lot of cases, there is eventually going to be some spillover. Like it's almost uh, unavoidable. So that 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 just drives home the fact that we are in this together. We, uh, it's just the uh, circumstances at any one point of time might be a little bit different, but uh, actually we are all in the same boat. Mm.
4: OK, some, some questions from listeners then. Uh, C says, would your guests be able to could advise what happens if the cold supply chain fails to maintain vaccines below the required temperature? Do they become dangerous or just ineffective? There's a focus on vaccine safety, but how important are the supply chains? Right, Great question.
6: I mean, the supply chains are absolutely crucial. There's no doubt about it. Uh, usually, if you don't store vaccines at the right temperature, this affects their effectiveness rather than their safety. Um, but having said that, we are pretty good at uh, maintaining supply chains for vaccines, especially in uh, the global urban cities like Hong Kong. And also of the vaccines that the government has chosen... Um, at least two of them actually have very, very reasonable storage temperatures. The inactivated vaccine, as well as AstraZeneca, uh, Pfizer's the one that requires a little bit of uh, colder storage. But I think the uh, uh, the Fosin pharma has uh, has uh, some advanced plans about uh, procuring some land for more deep storage space. So that is also not too much of a concern. I'm sure we can get the supply chain and storage facilities right for this one.
3: Mm-hmm. Um. COVID has really affected every single person, but I think mainland China has done uh, pretty well and um, they, they have very strict control at their borders. Uh, is that the main reason, um, as you can see, or you know, have they done something else that is right?
6: I would say there, they are absolutely committed to keeping cases down to zero. So whenever cases crop up, they take extremely swift and decisive action. I mean, at the residence inconvenience to bring these local, little local epidemics at an end. For an analogous situation, say in Hong Kong, we actually do observe that there were cases, in fact, cases of uh, unknown source um, cropping up all over October and even early November, but... uh, eventually these cases are going to accumulate to the degree that you have a snowball effect and it uh, produces a large community outbreak, right? But in mainland, the approach is, no, we can't even tolerate these one or two cases of undetermined etiology, and we have to uh, root the, uh, the the outbreak of before it actually takes hold and becomes a more massive outbreak. So uh, that degree of commitment to zero COVID is uh, something that uh, the mainland has done well and it must be acknowledged.
4: And it works. It works doing it like that. Treating it very, very tough right at the beginning.
6: Absolutely. It works doing it like that, but uh, it comes with a few caveats. You're putting people, residents, businesses at a major inconvenience. It's often difficult to justify to the public why such actions are required because the public just sees, oh, one or two cases every day. Uh, and so why why is there such a major overreaction? But the thing about public health is often overreactions are the right reactions in retrospect. So it's a very, very fine balance. And in, in the mainland, what they do is get at it very, very early and nip these uh, little outbreaks in the bud before they become massive outbreaks. I, I don't think that's something that would be very well tolerated in uh, other parts of the world, so it's not necessarily a model that can be replicated. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it purely from a infectious disease, public health point of view, yeah, it works.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, it is similar to, uh, uh, to, well, you know, if we have housing estates in Hong Kong, they're having these mini outbreaks, then we uh, lock down, you know, that particular housing estate. And I think in Hong Kong, it, it certainly won't work. Right, Because we have a massive amount of people and people need to go to work, and what if uh, their salaries you know will be reduced and and there will be so many absolutely. complaints absolutely
6: and land is an issue i mean uh, you can say i 'm going to quarantine this number of people, but if you have to quarantine people off you know in a dedicated facility, those are going to fill up very quickly. You put people out of employment for a period of time. They can't feed their families. It's, there are a lot of issues to take into account. So as I said, it's a very difficult model to replicate.
4: Okay, so some comments from listeners on, on, on the subject of uh, masks. Uh, Rick says, take a look at the, this is with the subject line, mask madness. Rick says, take a look at European countries' timing of implementing of masks. Without exception, it was the low points of cases and rose inexorably from then on. That comes uh, from Rick, suggesting that the European countries uh, uh, made rules about masks and then the situation got worse. Well, I'm actually
6: not aware of uh, that. Data. I mean, all over the world, uh, uh, most of the research to date would suggest that masks are somewhat effective and very effective when combined with uh, other um, uh, so-called public health interventions to reduce COVID-19 spread. So by themselves, they probably help a little bit, but then combined with other things, they become a powerful part of a solution to keep local transmission down. So, I mean, if you implement mask usage use, you you would still remember you'd still have a lag time before you see the effect of uh, these lockdown measures or mask usage or social distancing or whatever, because people have already been infected at the point when these measures were introduced and they will start presenting to medical attention for some time after the measures are introduced as well. So it often takes a two-week lag time before you really start to see effects of uh, public health policies put in place. And the same applies to Hong Kong. I mean, with the early dining rules and uh, all of that, we're gonna have to wait till the uh, latter half of this month before we see a very dramatic improvement in the situation, at least.
4: Okay, some more comment. Uh, Nick on Facebook, uh, in a f- series of, uh, co- of posts, uh, does say once you allow pharmaceutical companies to invest in your city, you allow a serious relationship to be built. And then, time comes, you need their services. The relationship comes to fruition. It's called Vision and Clean and Benevolent Government. Uh, and he attaches uh, stories about uh, Pfizer opening a development center uh, in Singapore. Uh, Jay says, masks are primarily to keep the COVID in so you don't spread it around. Should not the majority of patients in hospital and the elderly be encouraged to wear their masks all the time when in front of medical or frontline helpers? That's uh, from Jay. Also says, do we know where these waves come from and from which countries and are they stronger uh, or weaker? Uh, Hugh says the problem that undermines every official measure is the lack of accountability from the executive office down to street level. Proclamations abound but no follow up. That comes uh, from Hugh. Just on the the question of the vaccines there's been some discussion about whether there are political elements political considerations uh, when it comes to the the selection of the vaccines uh, for uh, Hong Kong. Perhaps you could just clarify something Uh, Dr. Sridhar um, the uh, uh, government has uh, said that they will use um, vaccines developed by Sinovac uh, Biotech. Uh, and uh, some people have uh, expressed concern that uh, it has not yet published third phase data on its vaccine candidate. But then we've heard others say, well, none of them have actually published third phase data on their on the vaccines. Uh, can you help us out there? Is that right? Or is it, is uh, Sinovac uh, behind the others in some way or not?
6: The facts are that Pfizer has actually published its uh, Phase three trial data, and so that's the 95% figure that's been thrown around. So that comes from Pfizer. AstraZeneca, which is another vaccine that the government is considering deploying later next year, has also published its Phase three uh, trial data. The efficacy varies depending on, uh, depending on how you actually give the vaccine. So that's something that has to be worked out. But yeah, they they actually have data from the uh, Phase three trial. SinoVac, which is uh in trials in Brazil with but the Butantan Institute, has actually not published the phase three trial results yet. It is expected to do do so imminently, although we don't know whether that's going to be in December or January. It's going to probably publish uh um yeah, sometime later this month or in January. So we um I'm really looking forward to that. So we don't actually know the phase three trial data for SinoVac yet a SinoPharm which is another Chinese company that's developing a very similar vaccine to Sinovac conducted trials in the United Arab Emirates and the UAE officials came out saying around uh, 87% efficacy or something in their phase 3 trial data so I would uh, I would be quite hopeful that Sinovac can match that because the vaccine platforms are so similar between the two companies. So that's where we are at at the moment. So
4: you're, you're fairly confident in the, the Sinovac. You don't see any I
6: haven't difference. seen the full Sinofarm data, mm. so I, 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 w- I would hesitate to comment. But if the Sinofarm data is accurate, we just have a press release on that. We don't have the full facts. If the Sinofarm data is accurate, then that bodes well for Sinovac. But the phase three trial data for Sinovac is absolutely. Uh, Absolutely essential to validate the government's choice, and it's also going to affect whether the vaccine is eventually approved, regulated, and actually gets deployed on, uh, in Hong Kong or not. So it's 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 a major fact that needs to that, that we're still waiting for.
4: Okay. Um Here's uh, a couple of more messages. Magnus says, um, hospitalised numbers are falling. Critical stroke serious are stable out of 1,100 patients. Only about 100 patients are in critical or serious conditions. It's been studied for weeks. The transmission rate, the R number, peaked at 3 on November the 16th, so one month ago, and has fallen rapidly to under 1 by December the 4th. Hence, the outbreak has, in fact, been outright receding for 11 days already. Daily new case numbers are stable or lower despite in testing over... For the period. The numbers you see reported today are 10 to 14 days out of date. That's how long it takes for an infection to be reported as a case. Look at new cases by date of onset, as these are less lagging. Those beginning to plateau from November the 22nd, with a daily high of 89 on November the 30th. The daily numbers appear to be slowing, declining since then, so for two weeks already. This is exactly what one would expect when one remembers that the transmission rate fell below one on December the 4th. Due to the inherent lag in infection to becoming a confirmed case, the measures taken by government on December the 2nd only, can only have an effect on reported numbers from around today. The measures taken on December the 10th uh, will not, cannot have any effect on the daily confirmed cases until December the 20th at the earliest. Per the above, the transmission rate and date of onset daily infection data show that the outbreak is in fact peaked at the end of November. Things are moving in the right direction and have been for weeks already. The situation is not severe. It is utterly irresponsible to report it as such. Please remember the lag. The situation you're looking at and the daily confirmed new cases is no longer the case. That's telling you what happened two weeks ago. Look at the transmission rate and date of, of one set daily cases and see whether the headlines still make sense. That uh, is from uh, Magnus. And uh, Paul, who was uh, raising some uh, points for earlier about the comparison with flu and masks, says Hi, back chat. I'm afraid your guests have not convinced me. One has stated that COVID spreads faster than flu, and the other has contradicted her. Also, in the case of masks Hong Kong has mandated them since July and this has had no effect on the cases they've gone up and down regardless surely the best explanation for why major why a majority of the world is suffering from c19 right now is because it's flu season that comes uh, from Paul do you want to respond finally to Paul professor enough
6: well um, regarding the um, fact that masks don't make a difference I, I would Let's just say if nobody in Hong Kong wears masks and in our kind of uh, crowded urban settings, uh, I can assure you that the number of cases that we would have seen would be much, much, much higher. We're talking about tens of thousands of cases. Um, So the the fact that Hong Kong has kept cases down to such a low number, despite being one year into the pandemic, is uh, uh, in my mind uh, highly attributable to community engagement and infection control measures, including mask usage. Uh, Regarding influenza, actually, we have little to no influenza activity in Hong Kong at the moment, but uh, cases are still surging. There's a complicated relationship between COVID-19 and influenza, um, which still remains to be completely elucidated, but at least in Hong Kong, COVID-19 activity can't be, cannot be directly linked to uh, influenza surges. So it's uh, that, that that it remains to be seen if we if are going to see an influenza surge later this year that makes the COVID 19 situation worse. But again, the mask usage has is one of the major factors that has reduced influenza levels in Hong Kong to a very uh, uh, low level that I have I personally haven't seen in a long long time. So another reason that uh, we probably have to stick to the masks until we have a better solution.
4: Okay. Well, many thanks for joining us uh, once again. We appreciate your your uh, information and your help, your, your clarity. That's uh, uh, Siddharth Sridhar, clinical assistant professor in the Department of Microbiology at the University of Hong Kong. Thank you very much indeed. Finally, uh, as mentioned, we wanted to talk a little bit about the, <coughs> the, desi- the issue of the uh, designated hotels. The government uh, announced uh, on Friday that... Uh, uh, to reduce contact between travelers from overseas and uh, local community uh, returnees from high-risk places uh, have to go under, undergo compulsory quarantines uh, at hotel and extended the requirement to all returnees from countries outside China. Uh, and now to enhance that, uh, the government will implement new measures uh, from the 22nd, mandating all returnees from countries to undergo 14-day compulsory quarantine at designated quarantine hotels. Uh, one of those uh, who uh, sought to be one of the designated hotels but has not been... Uh, uh given that uh, status as the uh Ovalo hotels and we're joined now by the founder and uh, ceo girish Jundundu, uh girish uh uh good morning to you thank you very much indeed for for joining us um what's wh- what was the issue here uh what were the criteria that the uh, the government were looking for in deciding the designated hotels and do you have any information on why you were not given that status
7: yeah. good morning here mm-hmm. thanks for having me on the show well here's the thing this is what we're confused about the, regarding the criteria in which the government has set about so when they invited applications and uh, one of the main things was that do you have uh, do you have a valid hotel license and uh, obviously you had to have a valid hotel license to join and of course there are a few other things such as do you have cctv and and so on and so forth the, the stuff that all hotels have to have as per the hotel license so we put in our applications and um, one of our hotels did make it um, uh, out of the four we have in Hong Kong, which is uh, coincidentally under renovation right now. It's being converted from a hostel to a hotel. And that could be ready next week, hopefully in time for their returnees. So uh, we're kind of disappointed three of our hotels didn't make it. And uh, upon asking the government as to why we were not made, uh, other hotels didn't make it. And the reasoning behind that was that um, there are three reasons it gave us size location and experience so when we talk about size it mentioned a number of rooms but i notice on the list there are many hotels that are much smaller than us uh location the uh, other hotels just doors away from us that have been approved and experience i don't think uh, i think we have probably got the most experience in handling quarantine guests we've handled more than 1500 guests till date and uh you know embrace the whole quarantine returnees of Hong Kong residents coming back and give them, you know, some dignity in how they return back to Hong Kong.
3: So what, um, what exactly did you do to the quarantine guests? Well,
7: we provided them a, a little bit more service. Uh, you know, we had, uh, I mean, besides uh, the the exercise equipment that we provided in the rooms, you could order a walking pad from us, so you could exercise in your room while you were there. Street customers all got a walking pad. Um, we provided... Uh, a of coffee or hot chocolate every morning you got a kind of a happy hour service uh, every evening somebody come over the trolley you know maintain the social distance and um, and you know you could have a have a drink and so on so it was it, it was a lot more inclusive a lot, you know you 're not kind of imprisoned in your room kind of is not solitary confinement so you know a little bit more um, engaging you know there were zoom sessions between um, between the guests where you could meet other guests who are also locked up uh, through Zoom and uh, just communicate how you're feeling and, and just talk. Um, so it, it was, you know, trying to make them feel more comfortable that they were staying and, and that, you know, they'll be out soon and uh, it didn't make their time feel uh, kind of, you know, like a solitary confinement. You're all alone by yourself.
3: Um, which government bureau was it that uh, rejected your application?
7: Uh, this was handled by a civil service bureau. Um, I think the person hitting is a Mr. Patrick Nip. Mm, right. And we did write to him um, one or two days before we found out, before the official list was out when we knew that we're not making it. And um, uh, we, I mean, I guess our police felt on deaf ears. And we were told that, oh, there's only one hotel kind of per group. I and mean, now they're writing to us. They think there's only one hotel per group that is, that is being given the, the opportunity. And when we look at the list and you look at, you know, for example, there's a Dorset Group, which is Far as Consortium, has got four hotels. The Magnificent Hotel Group has got six hotels in it. The Regal Group has got three hotels. Combined, they take up almost 50% of the, the room inventory that's being uh, allowed for quarantine. So that's almost uh, 5,500 rooms coming just from three groups.
4: We we did have well a couple of points first of all uh, we did have a uh, concern we didn't have emails some time ago actually asking if people had made bookings in the hotels uh, and then the government you know instituted rules like we've been discussing uh whether um you could get refunds if somebody's booked with the hotels and for this for the situation because this is going to affect people coming back from you know from overseas for christmas and things like that if they've made those bookings and now they can't honor them what happens?
7: Uh, absolutely. So, in fact, uh, you, uh, we've had bookings. We've got almost, um, I think, close to six to 8,000 room night booked uh, between December and uh, March. And, of course, we're going to have to cancel all those bookings and give the refunds back to them. Um, so this is definitely a disappointment. And, and the thing that I think they have not realized is a lot of people make their bookings way, be- way before... Um, you know, we got these bookings almost a month ago. We got bookings in, that are coming in February after Chinese New Year, and so people plan their travel way ahead of time. And so obviously, we've had book, we've got bookings that are continuous, and uh, we're going to have to sadly cancel all of
4: them. Okay. Um, the the other thing is that the government has said that uh, this is the uh, first phase. Uh, that um, uh, it will review the situation and increase the supply of designated quarantine hotels as and when necessary. This is the first batch. Uh, Are you hopeful that um, they may uh, review the situation, monitor the situation and increase, and perhaps include overload later?
7: Well, we're always hopeful they can include it later, but the damage is done. I mean, we've already had to cancel a huge number of guests coming back were clearly very disappointed and uh, you know when they do announce and then they give you one week to try and pick up guests to try and fill up your hotels that's just not enough time so if they were to tell us for example a month later that hey we we are allocating your hotels now and uh, you can start a from next week I'm not going to be able to get people coming in right away people make their plans way ahead of time so it's it's kind of disappointing because I think they should have checked with the hotels that are applying that hey, listen, do you uh, have you got in all our bookings or not? And I mean, what's a, if there are fifty hotels applying for the scheme or sixty hotels, what is the difference if they give it all to them? Because they they're they all vying for the same business. And it's it's a consumer's right to be able to choose the hotel they want to stay in. Mm.
4: Okay. Well, Mr. Junjunwala, thank you very much indeed for joining us, Girish. Junjunwala, there, founder and CEO of Overlow uh, Hotel. Thank you very much indeed. To him, Ada, many thanks to you, to uh, Raphael, to uh, Andy, and uh, to Michelle, our program producer. We'll be back at uh, uh, eight thirty tomorrow. We're leaving you now with the latest weather information. It's going to be mainly cloudy and rather cool this morning. Dry with bright periods this afternoon, with temperatures getting up to about uh, sixteen degrees. Uh, the outlook rather cool mornings in the next couple of days and sunny periods during the weekend and early next week 15 degrees now humidity 72 percent fight the virus stay vigilant if you think you have a higher risk of COVID-19 exposure or experience discomfort you can collect specimen bottles for free testing from designated public clinics meanwhile the government will arrange free testing for targeted groups to minimize the risk of community transmission we should take the initiative to get tested Together, we must fight the virus. Stay vigilant. Visit coronavirus.gov.hk for details. 9.34, the news now with Samantha Butler.
2: An advisor to the government on the coronavirus says the current outbreak has reached its peak, but it'll take some time for the latest social distancing measures to bring down infections. David Ho from the Chinese University also urged people not to delay seeking medical treatment because he noticed some patients suffered shortness of breath when admitted to hospital, meaning the virus had already reached their lower respiratory tract. Joe Biden has been formally certified as the next president of the United States with results from electoral colleges.